Hey, Brett. How you doing today? Happy New Year. Yeah, happy New Year to you. I'm Brett Starr, the CEO and founder of the Star Conspiracy. He's Lance Hahn, the Vice President of Market Insights for the Star Conspiracy. And we're here to talk about all things employee experience. And today, we're mostly going to talk about Southwest Airlines as a lens into work experience, which is one subdomain of employee experience. As a refresher, when we talk about employee experience, employee experience is one domain of three experience domains. There's employee experience, there's customer experience, and there's shareholder experience. There are five subdomains in our model of employee experience. There is employer brand, recruitment marketing, candidate experience, work experience, and employee success. And of all the things that we talk about, um, the area that um, is incredibly significant but least understood is the distinction between work experience and employee success. Increasingly, work tech, human resources, um, all the different uh, disciplines that kind of circle around um, human resources um, are growing to incorporate work experience, which is different than employee success. Employee success are all of the things that um, allow people to bring them their full selves to work, to live a fulfilled life. Think about employee recognition, well-being, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Work experience is anything that actually touches the work. Yeah. And that includes software, software tools. And so you see HR people getting much more involved in the selection of um, software, not just traditionally HR software, like performance management suites, um, but also project planning tools, um, anything that actually, uh, you know, the um, productivity suites that we live in every day because it's so impactful on the employee experience. And here is uh, an example uh, with Southwest Airlines, one of the biggest, most public meltdowns of an airline in U.S. history, all <laughs> caused by what? Let's discuss. Lance Hahn, what's going on out there? Yeah, let's talk, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about uh, some work technology here. Um, and some of the most ancient stuff is, um, you know, crew scheduling. Uh, for airlines and so if you ever if you ever known anybody that's that's worked for an airline, you've probably heard they got lots of ancient systems. They're still some of their systems are still running on those like black, you know, monitors with green texts. <laughs> you know, those those things. And so yeah, it's 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 a crazy thing to think about that um, you know, some uh you know, some software that's a couple decades old could take down an airline, not just for like a couple days, but but disrupted things for like a week. Yeah. Um, past like where everybody else was like just back to running like normal. They were like still struggling. Yeah. Billions of dollars of damage. Yep. Invited the scrutiny of the federal government. <laughs> yeah. It's not good when the transportation sector secretaries on the uh, Sunday morning shows like talking about like, we're going to figure out what happened here. Yeah. Like, well, all right. Only the lawyers are excited about that one. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I mean, so like, I mean, you know, anybody in who's who's been in HR, who's been some sort of scheduling, um, you know, capacity knows, like, you know, whatever you've done. I mean, and I, you know, I I worked in retail for a little bit, so I understand a little bit about like scheduling software and that sort of thing. And so, I mean, like, it's not nearly as complex as what the airlines are, but. You know, when it, when even something as simple as, you know, scheduling shifts for, you know, coverage at a retail store goes wrong, you know what a pain in the ass it is to just pull out the, uh, you know, the uh, the uh, graph paper 
and start mm-hmm. like, you know, filling out shifts for, for people by hand. And then you just take that to a level of complexity times uh, a thousand with, with the airlines and, and you have a real, you have a real big mess. And so, yeah, we would talk about this, you know, in, in my newsletter, I also connected it to the customer, customer experience. Cause that's something that Southwest has been known for, for, I mean, as long as they've been like yeah. a, a national name, they've been known for, you know, having that great customer experience and um, just how quickly that can, that promise could go away. Yeah. And specifically, um, you know, and we talk about breaks in continuity in yeah. between experience domains and also breaks in continuity between the subdomains of a single experience domain. And that's what causes all your problems, right? Yep. And so Southwest Airlines, an iconic uh, airline uh, known for customer service and um, their customer service broke in a profound way driven by employee experience issues, primarily the work experience and the tools yep. that um, that people are using to get the basics of work done. And so I want to spend a little bit of time on that and then talk about scheduling software specifically, because yeah. scheduling software, in my opinion, represents such a significant opportunity for uh, employee experience in general, including yeah. things that people don't really talk about when they talk about um, scheduling software, which is DEI. And yeah. uh, I'll kind of get to that in a moment. But, you know, um, when you think about work experience as a subdomain of employee experience, here's a tool that Southwest Airlines uses um, to uh, create their schedules, right? And, uh, you know, and all, by the way, the airline industry suffers from tech debt, from tech debt to huge, huge amounts. Just incredible. You go yeah. out to the, you know, like the desk and ask, um, you know, someone a question. And they type for 15 minutes and then they have to ask someone to come over <laughs> and they're like, wait, how do you do this? And you're like, they're like, oh, you have to hit shift, command, asterisk, F1. <laughs> and then you have to hit carrot, 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 and then backspace. And then you have this screen and this screen. It's like, what the hell are y'all they talking about? They got the about? cheat sheets on like the keyboards for all the yeah. commands. Yeah, it's crazy. They need those like NFL wristbands to have like a little, you know, because they're like so, so <laughs> notoriously bad. So you think about that. all this tech debt. Yeah. And tech debt, you know, would fit under work experience yep. and under employee experience. Think about the impact that that has on employees and how yeah. shitty it must be to have to use those really terrible systems day in and day out that actually creates so much friction at work. And then is there a more tangible example of the impact of employee experience on customer experience? Because customers are already pissed off when they're traveling most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Unless you're like a, you know, a road warrior um, who, you know, just adopts that, um, you know, unbearable likeness of being when traveling. Yeah. Puts on on their like noise canceling headphones and just lives their life. Yeah. And just expects delays. And yeah, it's like, oh yeah. (laughs) Oh, here, here it goes. Five minutes delayed. Well, we can expect that it's going to be another 10, another 20, another, you know, and then three or four hours. I'll go get a bagel. Yeah. (laughs) Go get a vodka. Yeah. Uh, you get a bagel, I get a vodka. Uh, there we go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, so like, I mean, I think the, the thing with Southwest is I think the crux of uh, some of the issues was one, uh, crews had to schedule through a phone based um, scheduling tool. So like they called in, not text, not like phone, phone. like they yeah. called the number. So like when, you know, when she hits a fan, like they're getting busy signals. And, um, you know, there, I mean, obviously, uh, Southwest got just 
killed on like all media, social media, traditional media, everything uh, for like losing people's bags, uh, not knowing where planes were, not knowing where customers. Well, they didn't know where their employees were. Like, they, like you talk about like building trust with, with employees. It's sort of like, you know, when we think about breaks of continuity of the employee experience, like when you have great faith in your, your employer, uh, that they know where you are. Um, that's number one, that they're not going to strand you, especially if they're an airline. That's, uh, that's usually a good thing. Like you, you start to, uh, I mean, like that, that doesn't lead to a great customer. That doesn't translate to a great customer experience for, for the people that these, these, these guys are serving. So it's really, um, like, so when you're using those archaic systems, I think there's like some level of acceptance, to a certain extent, but then when things like this happen, it just, um, it's really a snowball, um, effect that's, well, that, that, that goes downhill quick. You brought ice. I'll bring fire. Um, you know, we talk about this all the time. Uh, uh when a fire starts an employee experience, it eventually grows to, um, engulf all experience domains. Customer experience is obvious. Yeah. Typically, the impact on shareholder experience is not obvious, but in this case, it's incredibly obvious because Southwest Airlines is going to get uh, popped um, from yeah. a you know a profit and uh, revenue perspective. I mean, people are pissed. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and that all started by not giving you know employees um, the right tools uh, to drive their work experience, right? Yeah, and you're talking about you know again a consistent customer experience, consistent employee experience. Well, one of the most consistent shareholder experiences is, is in a really volatile market. I mean, I think I looked it up and, um, you know, Southwest gross profit has been in the positive for like more than a decade, except for three quarters in 2020 when yeah. everybody was, was losing their pants. But literally, I mean, like literally one of the safest bets yep. uh, in the aviation industry. Um, and broadly considered one of the most successful yeah. companies in history in terms yeah. of, you know, counterintuitive business models, starting with employees, starting with customers. That's right. You know, and driving great business results um, accordingly. But, uh, you know, here's a period where, uh, you know, I think the entire travel industry is trying to take advantage of, um, you know, a resurgence in uh, travel, high yep. demand. Uh, you see airlines posting uh, record profits uh, because of the surge uh, in demand. Uh, but you also see all of these labor issues from, you know, pilots to flight attendants to uh, call centers, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of externalities that, you know, can't be controlled for, one might one might say, although I don't believe that. But, you know, that's going to be the, oh, well, there's the labor market, there's this, there's that. Well, you know, okay, fine. Uh, so let's just agree to disagree, but you say you can't control for that. Uh, but here are some things that you can control for. Um, and, you know, Southwest Airlines has about 60,000 employees and they're Jeez. calling in, calling in to a phone <laughs> line. Right. And it's like, press one if you are stranded in, you know, like Iowa. That's right. <laughs> no offense to Iowa. But, you know, no, I mean, but I mean, yeah, it's, 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 so, I mean, I think one of the things, one of the challenges, I think, you know, we've obviously specialized in, in work tech for such a long time. And, you know, I was, when I introduced myself, I introduced the company I work for, um, you know, kind of what we do and what we focus on. They're like, that doesn't sound very interesting. But then like stuff like this comes up. And it's yeah. Like, yeah. Like, uh, this stuff actually matters, you know, um, having a scheduling software that works that can, especially with a industry that's routinely, 
uh, disrupted by, um, you know, weather. Um, they had like a, they had a, like a ground stop a few weeks ago too. Like, uh, that was driven by some software, software issues, uh, for, for air traffic control. Like it's just a disruptive business. And so like, there's, there's a level of like having technology that sort of scales and, and deals with those disruptions and having a business model that does so too. So yeah, I mean like, yeah, scheduling software is kind of boring until it doesn't work anymore. Um, and then yeah. it's, it's, it's really, really interesting. Well, and it's boring also because, um, the work tech industry doesn't care about it. Right. You know, it's like, it's not white collar. It's yeah. not sexy, you know? And, uh, so it doesn't get the attention that, um, you know, like employee experience solutions get, but here's, here's the, you know, the big picture. Yeah. Scheduling is vital to, uh, much larger chunk of the workforce than, you know, a lot of the fancy um, software that we talk about uh, all the time. That's right. Rule number one is the shit's got to work. Yeah. I mean, it just has to work. And sure, if your, you know, scheduling system is 10 or 15 years old, it might have some problems and some tech debt, but this is not rocket science. I mean, you know, the scheduling software that's out today can deal with weather. It can deal with disruptions in supply chain. It can deal with, labor shortages. It can deal with all that stuff because yep. technology has changed a lot in the last decade. <laughs> you know? A little bit. Yeah. yeah a so little bit. number one, it has to work. But number two, there are all these things that scheduling software can achieve that other software categories cannot. So yeah. I use this example all the time and uh, it's a real head scratcher for me uh, why more people don't see, um, you know, this potential in scheduling software. If you want to talk about DEI, most people, it's just like activism, right? Like most people get activated by a personal experience, right? So if you have bias, whether it's unconscious bias or conscious bias, you're not likely to change your worldview until you have been emerged in someone else's worldview until you have worked alongside uh, someone of a different gender, a different color, a different, you know, religious belief, whatever. Right. And so where does the rubber meet the road in terms of people from diverse backgrounds getting together and learning about each other in a productive environment where stuff gets done at work being scheduled. Yet yep. many of these uh, scheduling solutions have taken self-service to the extreme where people can basically work the scheduling system to not only select their own schedules, but also to team with people so that they can uh, schedule themselves with a group of people that they like to work with. Right. Yeah. And that's great. But what often, uh, you know, happens in a lot of environments is you see that uh, the schedules are, you know, it's almost like set up like, um, you know, I'm going to say something that I'll probably get dinged for. Um, but it's almost like segregation, uh, like people are self-selecting or being put into groups of people who look a lot like them. Uh, and therefore, you know, it's like you walk into this shift or you walk into that other shift and the composition of the workforce looks really different, despite the fact that on paper, the DEI statistics look really good, but in the way that work gets done in a three shift environment, um, you know, there's a lot more segregation of, or a lot, I should say, a lot less diversity um, sure. in the actual, like, uh, you know, uh, daily work rhythm. And I feel like 
um, you know, scheduling software can be at the front lines of DEI initiatives by taking into consideration how teams are put together to unlock all the benefits of having a diverse team working together. And I think so often we look at DEI as a, you know, a high level set of board metrics that That's are right. about the overall population and uh, composition of the workforce. Um, but that doesn't really mean that there is inclusion in that environment. And it doesn't really mean that DEI objectives for the greater good are actually being achieved. And I feel like scheduling software, first of all, has to work, but second, has a higher purpose and an untapped potential uh, for all kinds of stuff. I mean, that's that's really interesting because I, I think of a lot of these sort of back, I mean, where have been traditionally back office types of software that really operationalize the strat, like the larger strategy for the organization, the priorities. Like this is where um, the rubber meets the road on a lot of this stuff. So like how you prioritize uh, D&I, how, how you prioritize safety in like, you know, manufacturing environments. Like are you putting the right shift composition together to get the safest outcomes uh, all that stuff like yes the scheduling software has to just like work at a base level but like does does it also help you achieve some of your higher goals as an organization um that can only be done by actually deploying people at the right place at the right time with the right group of people understanding those group dynamics being contextually aware of uh, what else you have out there that's a good point. I don't think a lot of people really think about it like that. I think they just think about like, does this make my life a little bit easier um, than pulling out the graph paper and start mapping things out? Uh, if so, great. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, I, I think it, you know, you know more about this than I do, but I think it must come down to who makes the decision about scheduling software and sure. do they have any power inside the organization? So I relate it to benefits. Um mm. You know, it's well known that in especially in large organizations, especially with self-insured populations, you know, there's the there's the HR. There's usually like some sort of centralized HR group. And then there's like business partners that go back and forth between like sites and stuff like that. And there's kind of multiple, you know, if you take that mothership of HR, there's going to be multiple, you know, kind of uh, big groups. But probably the two dominant groups on the one side, you've got talent. And on the other side, you've got total compensation. Yep. And total compensation is usually going to be compensation and benefits administration, right? And then over in that benefits component, those are the folks who are working with, you know, the, uh, you know, insurance industrial complex to, uh, you know, the brokers and the, uh, you know, the carriers and, you know, all that stuff to, you know, kind of figure out what the, um, the benefits uh, strategy should be. And then you've got corporate wellness tucked in there that is really aimed at um, basically reducing healthcare costs by targeting interventions to the high-risk population. Yep. There's so much more that well-being could do. There's so much more. If you, you know, just shifted the focus a little bit away from only cutting costs with, uh, you know, by uh, focusing interventions on the high-risk population, if you rather said, hey, let's focus on all of employees and make sure that we're providing them with what they need, meeting them uh, where they are so that they don't have conditions that manifest in chronic conditions that need treatment later, yep. then you'd be, you know, doing a lot more good that would have an impact on your employee experience, your customer experience, your shareholder experience. 
But unfortunately, the people who make the decisions about corporate wellness are like five degrees of Kevin Bacon away from the CHRO, right? <laughs> and talent has a lot of the power. I feel like the same is true for the people who represent, um, you know, uh, uh, frontline workers inside large organizations. And so when you get, you know, a situation like employee scheduling, uh, the notion that you could bring employee scheduling into the broader employee experience conversation, um, like we just, you know, talked about why scheduling is critical to employee experience, but who can make that case inside a company that has the clout to uh, get it on the CHRO's, um, you know, radar in a way that's in the narrative of EX as opposed to just, hey, this shit needs to work. That's right. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, you look at scheduling for, I mean, I think you're right. I mean, like, so there's a level of like being like myopic or like just, you know, solely focused on just sort of like making, making your job better. Um, I think there are like people in the benefit space that do sort of see the higher purpose of, um, of what they're trying to do too. So I don't want to, um, you know, I, I don't want to minimize those folks out there because they're definitely out there, especially if you go to like the health benefits leadership conference and that sort of thing. Um, you see them there. Uh, but I mean, like, you know, just like all these like sort of niche roles, they're, they're kind of really um, those, those are sort of the unicorns out there. And I think if you look at, you know, crew scheduling at like airlines, for instance, is oftentimes like a system operations or system admin function that isn't connected to HR at all. Yeah. Um, so you've got a bunch of people that are looking for, efficient systems that are looking, you know, they, they're seen truly as just a cost center. And so I'm sure like in Southwest case, it was like super easy just to look at, okay, this thing has been, you know, working for, for however many years, decades. Um, and, you know, we know how disruptive this change will be. Um, yeah. And sort of a, like, if it's a dope, if it's not broken, don't fix it. Yeah. And, you know, having sort of a, this admin group that's that's responsible for that that has to just sort of navigate you know making a business case for that and like talking about just something that isn't about making their lives a little bit easier making their crew lives a little bit easier but talking about a bigger you know brand impact employee experience impact the yeah. customer experience impact i mean like that's those are all things that um really really require somebody um you know a little bit higher than those folks to really take that on and believe that that's true and make those arguments to sort of create those through lines, um, those connection points um, that can't be, that can't be done at, at that level. Yeah. And that kind of brings me, I think, to the big picture, which is, you know, we're talking about employee experience in this particular case, we're talking about work experience as a subdomain of employee experience. Mm -hmm. And also we're talking about the contagion of a bad employee experience um, uh, in terms of its impact on customer experience and shareholder experience. But, you know, it's like, okay, well, what do you do about it? What is experience anyway, right? So experience, employee experience is simply the perception of the quality of time spent with a company. Was it a good use of my time? Was it valuable for me? Did I get something out of it? And it's a perception. Uh, and, you know, the perception, you know, implies that there is no, singer, you know, single reality, you know, realities are always relative to, you know, other realities or whatever, but it's the perception of the quality of time. 
um, you know, spent uh, with an organization. That's the same with customer experience and with uh, shareholder experience, perception of the quality of time spent with the company. That's all experience is. So where does that perception come from? It comes from defining moments. It comes from defining experiences in the day-to-day. And every time you interact with a system or you interact with a person or you interact with a place or you interact with any anything about a company, it's either adding to or taking away from your perception of the quality of time spent with that company. If you want to create a great employee experience, you have to consider all of these touch points in all of these defining moments. And it's certainly a defining moment um, uh, when, when you contemplate the systems that people live in and the systems that people use to get the core work done uh, of their business and of their position. And if you want to create a great employee experience, you need to think holistically from the employee's perspective about the systems that are being used day in and day out that are inescapable. And whether that's adding to or detracting from the perception of the quality of time spent with your company. And I have no doubt that if someone at Southwest said, well, let's put ourselves in our employee shoes and let's go hang out with them and watch them use these systems. Let's hang out with them when they pick up the phone and try to schedule (laughs) because, you know, that they would say, holy shit, this is really detracting from what used to be (laughs) one of the greatest employee experiences in the world. And we need to do something about this. And this notion that like, okay, if we flip that switch and we take care of that tech debt, it's going to cost X amount and have Y impact on our share price. That's what happens when you bring a, a shareholder experience perspective to an employee experience party. Yeah. You know, you fuck it up. (laughs) (laughs) In that situation, shareholder value has to be a constraint, right? You go in and you fix the problem that's an employee experience problem with the constraint that you can't, you know, lose money or deteriorate money on it. Yeah, exactly. But you don't flip that and say, okay, from a shareholder perspective, what should we do here? Well, fuck, let's squeeze five more years out of that. You know, yeah, let's software. do it because we know it's well, going to be, you know, it's going to be, you know, tens of millions of dollars to do this, this, yeah. this switch. So, you know, every, it's kind of like my, uh, my HVAC unit in my house. It's 30 years old. Like, can I get through another season with it? It's a rat. And for, for us, it's kind of a low stakes thing because we know we could get a replacement <laughs> like pretty quickly as long as it's not the middle of summer. Yeah. Uh, we've got options. We got a basement, you know, those sorts of things. So, but like, I mean, like, it's just like, uh, yeah, it's 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 taking very much that that mentality. One question I have for you, Brett, um, talking about defining moments. Like nobody, anybody who's been who worked at Southwest during the end of twenty twenty two is going to remember this moment, like when shit hit the fan. Right? Can you use those shared moments as sort of almost like a fraternity hazing sort of like shared experience to say like. Wow, that sucked. We made it through it though. Like, like, is there is there a way for an organization? Because I've got a I've got I've got a view on this, but I'm I'm kind of curious about like there's also powered in like a shared experience that like usually defining moments are like you know very yeah. individualized. This is like one that's just sort of like if you were here at the end of 2022, we were all going through it. You know, is there some yeah. value in like in like a turnaround effort that sort of focuses on on that almost? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, I think that there's a couple of things that stand out immediately um, about it. Uh, first of all, you know, you kind of hinted at this um, earlier in the conversation, but you said one of the barriers um, to uh, switching solutions is the change management associated with it. Like people don't like yeah. change. It'll be a disruption, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's true. But a situation like this gives you the ability to rally everyone around a shared purpose to make the changes that are necessary towards driving the business forward. Yeah. And so if you were putting off this software adoption because, you know, your engagement survey is telling you that people have change fatigue and, you know, we've been through a difficult period over the last, you know, two years and we can't throw a big systems change on top of this, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. This creates a true burning platform because it really is to come in and say, look, we need to change in order to maintain the standards of Southwest Airlines. We never want to have this happen again. We want to, you know, emblazon this uh, in our memories as what goes wrong when we fear change or when we don't stay ahead of the technology curve. We're never going to allow that to happen again. Let's all rally around this and uh, take Southwest Airlines and uh, to the um, what? It, what are we? What century in the twenty second century? <laughs> just, I think we're in the twenty first century still. Twenty. We're still in the twenty first. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> I feel like I've woken up from like a cryogenic freeze or something. Okay, we're in the twenty first century. Still twenty first century. We're actually getting to the twenty first century now. Yeah. With our okay. Software, at least. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's bring Southwest Airlines into the twenty fourth century, and That's we need right. everybody. Everybody yeah. to do it. 25th century. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that's, uh, you know, uh, uh, one area. Uh, I think generally speaking uh, from the other area of creating, um, you know, basically a shared obstacle to mm-hmm. overcome. I think that's another great opportunity. People think this about Southwest Airlines. We know this about ourselves. Now let's go out and prove it to the world. Yeah. I think that's another great opportunity. But the one thing that I would say underpinning all of this is, you know, uh, especially in the 90s, somewhat in the 2000s, people made up burning platforms to try to motivate yeah. um, employees. <laughs> that's right. And uh, that's a really shitty thing to do. So it has yeah. to have the additional benefit of being true, right? Like if you have a burning platform, it better really be a burning platform. Uh, or people are going to see through that, right? So uh, that's number one. And number two, if you're rallying, uh, you know, someone around a shared purpose, you better have the intent to actually achieve it. Yeah. Meaning that uh, Southwest Airlines has a lot of work to do. This only surfaces issues that were simmering, you know, kind of below the surface for a long time, right? Uh, And if they're not really interested in moving their employee experience multiple clicks forward, uh, if they're not really interested in modernizing their tech stack, then they shouldn't create a false rally point. That's right. So no fake burning platforms, no false uh, rally points. Uh, And in the absence of those, then, yeah, I think it can be used um, to the benefit uh, of the organization and the people. I mean, it can be a real re-energizing experience. Yeah. What do you think? No, like... uh... Reminds me of the Michael Jordan, like, Hall of Fame speech where he just, like, listed off all the people that were, like, that underestimated him, which honestly had to be, like, 
three total people when he was like 12, maybe like, <laughs> but like, it was all, it was all like headcanon for him. He was just like, it was in his head. That's what was yeah. motivating him. But I, I think it's a great point about that. I, I, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of, um, a lot of the commentary like I've, I've seen about, about Southwest is like, just sort of like, Hey, you know, like almost have a short memory about this. And I actually think like have a long memory about this. Like, like make sure, like if you're actually committed and I think they are, cause they've, they've been doing this for more than, you know, I think three decades now. Um, you know, if you really believe in your mission of being like one of the most customer centric, um, you know, employee centric companies in the world, um, that's who you are. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. And like things like that don't happen to to companies that are truly like that. So like you know you you take that long memory, and I love that idea of using it as a license to say like we put this off too long. That's our bad. Um, yeah. We're never going to let something like that happen again. So not only are we going to fix this sort of stuff, but we're going to take a total look at our. We're going to audit our te our tech stack. We're going to take a different approach to making sure that we're staying up to date and making sure our, our systems are are just more um, you know reliable. And 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 more resilient to um, some of the challenges that are always going to be facing our industry. And then, yeah, I think um, you know, I mean, you know, I think they're they're getting rightfully, um, you know, you know, taken over the coals. And so you think about all of the different airlines that have had issues over you know the past, you know, especially in the last couple of decades. Um, and you're like, boy, we are being really harsh on on Southwest. I think that's actually a credit to you know, how, how, how far ahead Southwest was on all this sort of stuff. Yeah. Like if, um, you know, if, if spirit airlines goes down for a week, you're like, well, no shit. I think that yeah. stuff is like all just put together by bailing twine and, uh, yeah. you know, duct tape, uh, no surprise. They went down, you know, like if somebody like, uh, you know, United, um, has a big outage in Denver, you're just like, yeah, that yep. makes sense. Like this doesn't make sense. So no, like, I think that Southwest. big continuity break is, is really, really challenging. And so, you know, there's, there's a risk to having that high, um, you know, that high consistency is like when you don't yep. deliver on it, uh, it really knocked them off their pedestal really quickly. Uh, whereas another airline had the benefit of not being that high to begin with. And so knocking them down a couple notches is going to be a big deal to those folks. Yeah. I mean, you nailed it. Um, you know, the reason why this is such a big story is because it's such an obvious break in the promise yeah. that Southwest has made to employees, to customers, and to shareholders. Um, and I'll also say that it's the thing that's going to get them out of all this. That's right. Staying true to that vision. Um, and, you know, when you have a strong vision, it's just like Disney. You know, when Disney, uh, you know, uh, their uh, promise is basically to create happiness. That's their whole experience vision. Um, when they are uh, perceived as breaking their promise of being the happiest place on earth, that's when they get dinged and it always brings them back. Yeah. You know, it's the thing that kills them and it's the thing that brings them back every time. So when they laid off tons of people during the pandemic and the way they laid people off uh, was really bad, they got beat up and all the headlines said the happiest place on earth is not so happy anymore. You that's know? right. <laughs> And then they swing, you know, they always come back because they stay true to that vision. That's right. Now you've got the CEO of Disney saying you need to come back to the office, right? That's the yeah. latest thing with Disney. Is that the happiest place on earth? Probably four, not. Four, day, four days a week. Yeah, probably not. That's right. right. <laughs> and so they're probably going to get beat up a little bit about that because it's yeah. an, um, you know, an implicit violation of the promise that they make 
in creating happiness. And then they're probably going to come back to their North star uh, yeah. and see it through. So, you know, it's kind of a self-correcting apparatus when you have a really strong vision. Yeah. Yeah. So, especially, you know, especially if you got, I think, um, you know, going back to, I think some of the shareholder experience stuff and just sort of like ways that shareholders could be good stewards of sort of the long-term vision of the brand. I think you have strong shareholder um, pressure there to keep the magic, right? I mean, like there's so much in it. I think organizations are doing a better job of, of measuring sort of the brand equity mm-hmm. and just sort of the intangible assets that Disney has, has built over, you know, it's 50, 60 years of, of doing this stuff really well. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like they don't want to, they can't lose that. Cause that's, that's so much that's, uh, you know, f- from a financial standpoint, from a, a strength standpoint, um, what they are, otherwise they, you know, they just turned into universal studios. Like nobody's yeah. shocked when universal like goes back to four days a week in the office. Everybody's like, yeah, it makes no. sense. Kind well, of and, <laughs> yeah. And this is, yeah. this is where it all comes together. Right. So yeah. go back to Southwest. Um, you know, the question is how many people are pulling for Southwest versus how many people are pulling for spirit, right? Right. So when something goes bad at Southwest, <laughs> how many people are like, no, I'm pulling for Southwest employees, I want to see somebody like out there, customers, out there really right? Yeah. Yeah. But also shareholders, right? So all yeah. these institutions that buy big chunks of stock and drive up, you know, the stock price, how much more likely is it that they're going to come back to a Southwest Airlines stock, one that they trust and know has performed well? over and over, you know, hypothetically, right? Over and over and over again versus, you know, this spirit fucking airlines or whatever, right? It's like, (laughs) oh, you know, know, they screwed up because they're supposed to screw up. That's what they do. That's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. So you might let the, you know, uh, in this hypothetical example, you might let the Southwest Airlines stock breathe for a while. But as an investor, you know, they've got a shareholder brand. Uh, that says, hey, this is consistently a long-term uh, valuable asset because they focus on employee experience, because they focus on customer experience, because they've driven great shareholder experience over the years. Yeah. And so people are going to be pulling for Southwest. They might give it a breather, but they're going to come back to it. And, and honestly, some people are going to uh, say, well, this is a buy opportunity. If other people get scared off from this, this is a buy yeah. opportunity. I feel and, like their their stock has been buoyed significantly just by um, their reputation. Like everybody, like there's lots of institutional investors out there that are like, this is a great time to buy because we know, we believe in this this team, we yeah. believe in the brand, we know they're going to go back up again. It's like whenever Apple dips or Disney dips or that sort of thing, there's, there's institutional buyers on the other end keeping that stock a little bit higher than it should be because yeah. they're like, I, I believe in the brand. Um, and that has the great, shareholder brand too, though. The right? shareholder brand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that has good impacts for what, what um, the amount of uh, length that organizations have to to make changes and make improvements to the employee experience and customer experience because they know that will build that shareholder brand as well. So I think there's, like I said, there's there's all these connections there that I think are really important to to match. I don't want to get too too far down the financial rabbit hole. This is for no. leaders, but I mean, like, I love I love the connection points here. Um, well, there is a this. connection point though with work leaders too, because you know, yeah. for a long time, HR people getting a seat at the table meant learning how to manage shareholder value. Sure. Ironically, the way to manage shareholder value is to invest employee experience and customer experience. Yeah, right? do what you do best, right? Yeah, exactly. Do what you do best. Yeah. And that drives shareholder value. Yeah. But shareholder value became like this, you know, idea that you could manage, you know, stock price by, you <laughs> know, with right. smoke and mirrors. Um, and you can't. And, yeah. uh, you know, going back to Disney, Disney's the same thing because uh, of Disney's powerful experience vision because of their focus on employee experience and their focus on customer experience, 
they create a great shareholder experience and institutional investors are going to bet on that stock um, and probably load up on it when they face uh, problems because they've got this long history of, um, you know, reverting back to norm, uh, which is create happiness, focus on employee experience, focus on customer experience, that drive shareholder experience. So in short, if you want to create shareholder value, fucking get some scheduling software. Jesus. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Those foundational basics. Like I, I always think like, you know, payroll software, like, uh, systems of record for core HR, sched- like workforce management, yeah. scheduling, like all those things, like, like, oh, do we have to talk about this? Yeah, because you got to, if you don't get it right, everything else just kind of like falls apart. You got all these nice, like, employee experience initiatives, wellness programs, that sort of thing. Doesn't make a difference if you don't know where your employees are. They're not getting paid. <laughs> they're, not, hey. they're not getting health benefits. It's like, these are all basic things that you have to get right. Like, it gives you permission to even talk about this other stuff. Hey, look at, look at Taco Bell, man. How does Taco Bell compete? Payroll and scheduling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You drive back, you, you know, you go through the drive-thru at Taco Bell. There's a little sticker on the drive-thru window that says start today, get paid today, daily yeah. pay. Right. Yeah. So, you know, they've got their payroll uh, nailed down, but they're also at that next level of offering employee experience driven components of payroll like earned wage access, which people love, and also scheduling, you know, really effective scheduling. That's like if you can schedule and pay well and train well in a quick serve context, you're going to do well. And, uh, you know, a lot of times, well, I'm not going to talk about food quality. Anyway, I'm Brett Starr. (laughs) He's Lance Hahn. We're from the Star Conspiracy, www.thestarconspiracy.com. I still say the www. I know it's not fashionable anymore, but it's www.thestarconspiracy.com. Yes. World Wide Web. Oh, we should go on the way back machine. And yeah. <laughs> Lance, always a pleasure. Same here, Brett. It's fun. You too, bud. Let's forward to the next one. Let's do it again. We'll do it.